0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. We're. <laughs> I think I heard about one person quietly say good morning. So, uh, good morning. Well, uh, clearly we're excited to be here. And um, I don't know if you got a chance to catch the game yesterday. Uh, it would have been one to stay up for. I did not, mainly because of what I do here on Sunday mornings. But um, looked it up afterwards. I was like, wow, that must have been good. <laughs> it must have been good. It was. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we're here this morning, you probably woke up to some more snow, but uh, I appreciate you being here. And so today as we get started, we're actually entering into a new series, so it's just going to be a little mini-series entitled uh, BCAD, and there's this event that took place, you may have heard of it, the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Uh, we've been singing about it, we, when we talk about it all the time, but when we think about the significance of it... Uh, we should come back to this place of realizing, wow, Like the entire world, um, everything around it, even history and the calendar changed for this one event, for this birth of this little baby. Now, um, you may be thinking about um, another event that's taken place in your life, maybe the birth of your own child or somebody else that's close to you. Uh, This week, we were uh, eagerly anticipating the arrival of my new niece, her name's Eleanor. She was born on Thursday to my sister and uh, her husband, Tyler. And uh, so we were we really excited about that. We were waiting, and so they they were going in on Tuesday night, and my birthday was on Wednesday. So I was going, I'm gonna get to have a birthday with my niece. <laughs> get to share that. And uh, but she waited. All right, I'm not too upset about it. But <laughs> she waited until it was about I think 147 on Thursday morning, and she was she was born. So. Uh, maybe you've looked forward to an event like that, the birth of a child or grandchild or somebody close to you. Um, and those things are so wonderful, aren't they? We eagerly anticipate those, that everything will go well. And today, what we're going to look at is this hope that the whole world had in this coming Jesus, in this coming Messiah. And in a similar way, David talks about that hope. He, he knows that Christ is going to come, the Messiah is going to come, and so he's talking about this future hope. But if we look at what David's talking about in, Psalms, in the Psalms we'll see this idea of hope. We have a similar idea of hope, only we're looking forward to this return of Christ. So isn't it amazing that we we think about like what Matt shared in the expanse of the universe and all the solar systems and all the planets and all the stars, and we come back to this one little dot, this one little spot, this place in Bethlehem where God sent down his son, Jesus, to not only be born a little baby, but to live a life for us and to die on the cross for our sins. And the good news is, well, he got up again, right? And so we think about that, at all in the light of Christmas, not just the, tr- you know, the presents that are going to be underneath the tree that we're eagerly anticipating, and not just the birth of a regular human person, which we always look forward to, but the birth of our Savior, which we celebrate now. And in hindsight, in the light of everything that's taken place in history, uh, we have a good view, don't we, <laughs> of the things that have happened and the things that are going to happen. So uh, we'll celebrate that this morning. Together, So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. So we'll be in verses 5 through 7, just a few short verses, and then we'll celebrate communion together as well um, afterwards. And so if you know anything about David, um, he was a guy who had hope. He had hope in the Lord, and that's what we'll look at this morning. And there were so many different things that took place in his life where, where he had to completely put his hope and his trust and the Lord, he didn't have anything else that he could rely on, anything else that he could trust in, and so he knows what, it, what it's like to hope. But before we get into it, I want to share a quick video with you, so go ahead and take a look at the screens. they will be on hope. So let's say you want
1: to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the Ark, as the flood waters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sin. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait.
0: That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. so we have a hope. Well, it's greater than anything else and it's based on not just whims, not just chance, but on a true God. And I love what Matt said, if God can do all these other things, if he can create the universe and everything else in it, then why wouldn't it be easy for him to do what he did in sending Jesus to die for us, to live this life for us. People always think these things are so hard, but in perspective, God can do anything, can he? So we have hope. Well, God's people, they had hope in the Old Testament, right? They were looking towards the Messiah. Now we have hope because we know what's already taking place in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we look towards a future where Christ is going to come back, the second coming. He's going to come back, and he's going to make everything right. So isn't it wonderful, this perspective of hope that we have? No matter where you're at this season, and I know... Uh, For some of us, the holidays are difficult. Uh, Maybe there's not going to be someone else around the tree that used to be, um, or or maybe just someone's gone away for a while, and and maybe you're going to be sitting around that tree either by yourself or maybe one or two other loved ones, and you're going like, maybe it's not the way it's been, but we can still have hope in what God's given us, right? Maybe not hope in the current season, but but the hope in what God is going to do in certainly restoring the rest of the world. So the first fill-in-the-blank is hope or hoping in the Word. Hoping in the word. Verse 5, Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. And so this word for wait is used a couple of times, the word kvah. So we've seen some of these things in the video there. But when, when you see that multiple times, you see wait, you see hope, it's going to be used often, especially in the Psalms, because there's this perspective that God's people have. They, they weren't just going like, I hope it works out. It's like, you know, I hope. The Bills win, right? Others are going, I hope they win. It was kind of back and forth last night, but, but eventually they, they got the job done, right, in the snow and everything. So you know, we hope for certain things, right? We have hope in that. Uh, but this place that we have hope in is a sure hope, right? And so that's what David says, I wait for the Lord. I come on the Lord. And it's this uh, eager expectation. It's not like going like I, like, I hope it works out or hope this happens. No, we go, we hope. And David said, I hope. In the Lord, but it but it wasn't like I wonder what's going to happen. He was like, I hope in the Lord, but it was a sure, assured, and eagerly this expectation of something that was going to happen. And when he says, I hope in the Lord, he's he's using this word here in particular. So, um, he's hoping in the word, but he's hoping in the Lord. He says, I wait for the Lord. And the word he uses for Lord here is the word Jehovah. It's the one true God. I love it when you look throughout the Bible, there's so many different words for the word God. And every time you see it, you may see a different word, but here he's using Jehovah, and it it just means the one true God. God. Now, back in the times that this was being written, there were so many other false gods. There were literally statues. There was uh, the world and everything else around it. There was nature. People were worshiping everything. Like anything you could think of, they were worshiping that. And David says, I'm going to wait on the one true God. I'm going to wait on Jehovah. And it's kind of like what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 25. He said, This is who God is the God who made the world. And everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. Man, so if God created everything, and we can hope in him, right? Uh, because it's not that much of a stretch to go, God. You literally hold the world in your hands. You've got everything together. We teach it to our kids. you got the whole world in his hands, right? <laughs> I'm not going to sing. you got the whole world in his hands, right? But, but do we believe that? Well, it's difficult when things get difficult, or maybe things aren't always going the way we want them to, but, but David is able to say here, uh, and he, he, was, he went through a lot of stuff. He says, my soul waits. And what does it wait for? Well, he says, and in his word I hope. I I I I hope for. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. Now, maybe you're not looking forward towards a particular season. I know that if you have children, or you have grandchildren. It's pretty much impossible not to be excited or uh, you know to be happy about this time of the year, right? Because they're always going. What's going to happen? What's going to be under the tree? I can't believe we get to do this. There's all the parties and everybody's so excited. But but sometimes we just get a little bit worn out. We get a little bit turned away. From where our focus needs to be, which is hoping in the Word. And interestingly enough, if you look at the New Testament, when, <clears throat> when David's saying this, he's going, we're, we're hoping in the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord. And you look at the New Testament, and we're going to see the same hope in regards to the Word, the Logos in the Greek. And every time you see that, it's referring to Jesus. The same hope that people in the Old Testament, when they were talking about Jesus, say, we're hoping in Jehovah. They're like, yeah, it's the same guy, the <laughs> same God, right? So, just like David, I wonder, maybe today, maybe you've you hauled, maybe you've hoped in a variety of things that have let you down, and my guess is that um, something else in the world has probably let you down, maybe even something this week, and, and we keep turning back to, and we can always go back to the Lord, right? And we can go, no matter what else is going on, I've got hope in the Lord and in His Word. And so that's the first fill-in-the-blank. The second one is waiting diligently, right? So we're hoping in the Lord, right? That's the only place that we can really hope in and not be disappointed at some point in life. And then uh, what else are we doing? Well, we're waiting diligently, right? You know, we're looking towards heaven, and I had a conversation um, with uh, with one of our members recently, and, and they said, um, you know, it'd be okay if Jesus came back sooner rather than later. And uh, I said, you know what? I'd be okay with that too, right? It'd be a better alternative and this is what David says he says my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning more than the watchman for the morning and you may be wondering like why does it say it twice there well there's a reason David's giving emphasis to this and God wants us to see this and it's very important from a cultural perspective he says my soul waits for the Lord, And when he uses the word Lord, right, now you may think like in the English, you're like, yeah, I've seen Lord like 50 times, like in this one text of the Psalm, you know, it gets, it's it kind of old, it gets kind of boring. We know who he's talking about. But if you look in the Hebrew, he uses another different word for the Lord. And he says, my soul waits for Adonai. And this is a different form of the word for Lord. And so this word for uh, Adonai is like this all encompassing, holy God. So he's not only the one true God. And David says this for a reason. He goes, hey, by the way, everybody else who's listening to this. Because this would have been um, addressed towards all the people of Israel because he's about to address them. So he, he goes, let me tell you who I'm going to wait on. Let me tell you who I'm going to hope. And my soul waits for Adonai, this all-encompassing God, like anything else you could be worried about, anything else that you could be thinking about this season. You're not worried about anything, by the way, right? It's only a week until Christmas. So <laughs> if you didn't know, then uh, maybe you're worrying now, right? We shouldn't, right? Because just like David, he, he says, my soul waits for Adonai, this all-encompassing God, this God that's like when, when everything else is like going on or you're like, you know, you're, you're worried because like the, you know, somehow the bills were ahead and then they were down again. I don't know why I keep going back to that, but you know, like it stresses me out. I need to watch less of that, right? So uh, you get stressed out by it and you're like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, but I just don't know. But David knows, hey, unlike man, unlike some sort of sports team, unlike anything else in your life, he's going, I'm going to wait on Adonai. I'm going to wait on the Lord who is all-encompassing. He can handle all situations, right? No matter what you're worried about, no matter what you're stressed out about, God can handle it. So we've got hoping in the Word and waiting diligently and then this thought came to my mind, I, you know, as kids, you always know, always think about like waiting for the Christmas present and, you know, Christmas comes and if you haven't already like shaken it or like, you know, I'm not giving anybody ideas, but sometimes people will like cut it a little bit, you know, and they'll like look open and then they'll tape it back up. It's not like mom and dad don't know, right, by the way. You're like, they'll never find out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, there's all that scotch tape on it. Something happened here. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, right? And some of you are smiling because you're like, yeah, I did that. I did that growing up. Well, you know, we come up with some things, right? Well, then I was thinking, um, <clears throat> growing up, you know, I got to go to uh, Six, Flags, Six Flags Over Texas, and I know there's one here too, right, Deering Lake. So um, what happens when you go on those rides, which you wait like hours, just, I, it just it doesn't make sense to me now, but when I was a kid, you know, you're waiting in line for the bumper cars, and in Texas, like in July, it's 100 degrees, and there's no, you know, you're outside, you're waiting in all these like little cow pen fenced off things to get to the bumper cars. It was like one of my favorite things. I don't know why. But I was waiting with this like eager anticipation, this hope. And you're probably in the line like 45 minutes, an hour for this like five-minute ride, right? And they're, and they're trying to help. They don't want people to pass out of heat exhaustion. So they've got these little fans with like these little misters. And you're like, it's not helping, right? I'm still, I'm just like, I'm down, dying out here. And when you get close enough, you're going to start like looking which color bumper car's coming by. And you're like, oh, that one has a number, all right. And then you're just like watching it the whole time until finally you get your chance to get out there. And what do you do? you sprint, right? You sprint to the bumper car that you know is the fastest. It's not going to just like stop, and then somebody else is going to have to bump you to keep going. So you get out there, and what do you do? Well, I don't know. I don't know how you win in bumper cars. You hit people enough times. You, get, you go enough around times, right? And so you finally get out there, and this eager expectation is met, and then what happens? Five minutes go around, and then it stop, and then everything turns off, and you're like, wait, it's not going anymore. Oh, I have to get off? Man, that was a disappointment. Let's go do it again, <laughs> right? That's, that's what we do. We're like, we get to that moment and that, of that hopeful expectation, and it finally happens, and then what does it do every time? Like everything in life, like everything else does. It's a little bit of a disappointment, right? When we come to knowing God, and we come to having hope in Him, He doesn't let us down, right? And David knew that. He's like, hey, there's this one person in all the universe. It's God. It's Jehovah. It's Adonai. He can handle everything, and I'm going to put my hope in him. So what else does he say here? It's kind of strange. So he says, my soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning, and he repeats it because this is important. So um, unlike now, like we have technology, we have like radar systems, you know, we have jets that fly through the sky, and they're always monitoring things to keep our nation safe. Well, in that time, they didn't have any of that stuff. You know what they had? They had a guy. He was sitting in a tower, and he was, he was looking with his eyesight just to see if any bad guys were coming. And, and that was their warning system, right? So the night watchman, he'd be up there, and like the daytime watchman, he had an easy job, right? Because he's like, hey, nobody's going to attack the city to, you know, during the day, right? Nobody does that. But the night watchman, it was probably a stressful job, right? This is why David says he's like more than the night watchman, who, by the way, what is the night watchman? What was he hoping for more than anything? that nobody attacked the city, right? That was his first hopeful expectation. Then the second thing was, when I see the sun coming up, my job is done, right? And so he's watching eagerly and he's hoping that nobody's coming because it's going to be his job to blow that trumpet, to say, everybody, get your stuff. We're going to have to fight these guys, all right? And when the morning comes, he goes, my job's done, right? And David says, hey, I know that what that guy does. I know his job, and, and more than that, night watchman who's hopeful for the morning. Hopefully, nobody's going to attack, and he's just sitting there waiting, praying for the moment when he gets to step down for from his job for that day. David says, "My soul waits for the Lord more than that guy." Like, how many of us in the room could say that? I mean, how many of all the believers in the world would go like, "I'm hoping more than that guy." Like that guy who his life and his job and his livelihood depends on being awake and constantly watching one spot. He's hoping for the morning. Like, do we hope in the Lord that much? Like, when we, when we wake up, are we just going like, man, thank you, God, for another day. I can't, I can't wait to think about you. I can't wait to read your word. I can't, I can't wait to hope in you. Because everything else, what's it gonna do? Well, what's gonna let us down at some point? And this is why David says, don't wait until anything else. He says, hope in the word. And then what do we do? We, we're gonna wait diligently on God, right? I know it's, sometimes it's difficult, but the wait is worth it. And so like the people in the Old Testament, they had a hope in the Messiah who was going to come. This little baby Jesus, who when he showed up on the scene, probably a lot of people were going like, I'm not, I didn't think this is how it was going to happen, right? Ruling and reigning king. But where is Jesus right now? We know what the scripture tells us. He, what did he do? After he, he ascended back into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God, and he's like, it's not going to be long, and I'm coming back. Right? So we have this hopeful expectation that like the people did in the Old Testament, looking forward towards the Messiah coming and living that life for us and dying on the cross, we get to see that in the past and then look forward to what he's going to do in the future. So we've got a hope, right? David had a hope, and he helps us understand what our hope is. Well, what is it in? The word, waiting diligently, and the last thing is we're going to find something in all of this. If we can practice this daily, here's what we're going to find. Love and redemption, right? That'll be the last slide. So we're gonna be finding love and redemption. It'll be up there. And in verse seven, it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. So David's gonna bring all of the nation's attention to this, all right? He was king, so when he said, hey, everybody listen, they did, right? You could get, get in a lot of trouble. So he said, O Israel, hope in the Lord, so he's addressing the people as a whole, and it would kind of be like maybe your mom and dad, like you know, you didn't really know they meant business until they used your middle name, right? And so I'd hear that, and I would start running, right? Because <laughs> they'd say my middle name, and I'm like uh, I did something, so I gotta run away, right? But but David doesn't quite approach it like this. He says, "Oh Israel, hope in the Lord." It's good news, right? It's not, yeah, yeah I've done something wrong. I've got to get out of here. No, he he's saying, "Hey, there's good news." Just like. I've been hoping in the Lord. David says, hey, I hope more than this night watchman. I'm going to wait diligently on God. And then he turns to the people, and he wants them to have the same kind of hope. And so he's saying something really important, and it reminded me of a story. Um, It's a good story. It's in the New Testament. Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24, it says, And as he arose and came to his father, He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So, <clears throat> David, he wants the people to have hope, right? He wants them to have this perspective of, of not just going like, yeah, I think God's going to do what he said he was going to do. I, I hope God's going to work this out. No, he says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Why? Well, he says, for, the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. So what, what are we hoping in? What are we hauling in? I mean, it's easy to say like, yeah, I hope in God. I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, you know, I get that whole thing. I'm here in church this morning. So of course, I hope in the Lord. But, but it's different to actually live that out daily, right? It's different to walk out of this place and wake up tomorrow and go, I really am going to hope in the Lord. And so what, what does David say? We well, use these same words. He, he says to Israel, yahal in Jehovah the one true God. Why? Because he knew his people. And what was the history of the Hebrew people? Constantly going, I know God said that, and I know he did that, but I'm not sure that's enough, and I want to do things my own way. And David's like, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to keep doing it that way. You have access to this hope that belongs to God, the one true God. And then he tells them about one other thing. So here he says, here's what we have access to, right? So we, we hope in the Lord. Why? Well, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. It's a word that's used um, throughout the Old Testament, this word has said, and it, it's the, this, um, this pure type of love, right? Now, we may think we have that. Well, yeah, I have that for my kids or I have that for this person. Well, it's not exactly the same thing. In fact, when the Scripture talks about this, it only talks about God having this for his people. Like, no matter what else is going on, no matter what else is happening, no, even no matter what his people do, he's going to love them perfectly. He says that we have access to this, Has said, love, this steadfast love. Has anybody ever loved you like that? Well, Maybe. My guess is that in any of the relationships that we have in this life, at times we'll let each other down, right? That, we won't have that perfect, steadfast love, but luckily, God has this. Us and he reminds us in that account of the prodigal son, like when, when, when the son's far off and he's squandered everything. What does the father do? Now at times we may think, like in a judgmental spirit, we may think, well, yeah, he didn't deserve any of that. But the father doesn't think about that. He just goes, he goes, I'm not going to give him what he deserves. I'm going to give him what I want to because I love him, right? And that's how God views us. And and more than that, he uses this uh, one more word. He says, and with him it's plentiful redemption because I, I think we walk in here too and we're like yeah it's sunday before christmas or yeah i'm listening to this online because it's almost christmas or yeah i don't normally you know think about the things of god or i'll check it out this one time and you're like i'm not really sure i can have that kind of hope because there's all these things in my life there's these things that i've done or i'm just not sure god would really love me with that has <clears throat> type of love but the good news is how does god's love work is it does it like run out is he like well wait a second um Man, you've exhausted this, and I just keep forgiving you, and it just you know gets gets it gets old, right? But but what do we have access to through what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and, and even what David knew about God beforehand? He's like he's got this said love, and it's what it's plentiful. And he says this for this word here: in Him is plentiful redemption, plentiful redemption. That word in the Hebrew is the word peduth, and it it's actually better translated as ransom. Oh, wait a second. Well, he's not like buying anything back. He's not taking anything back. Well, well what happens to us? And what does Jesus do through us? And, and David was even talking about this before Jesus comes. And he's, he goes, we're looking towards this hopeful expectation of the Messiah. And what is he going to do? Well, it seems like David had a picture of this beforehand. He has access to the steadfast love which he gives us. And with him is plentiful redemption. That's good news, Right? Is it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you've come from, and maybe you're listening online too, and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm trying this, but I just don't know if it's my thing, because I don't know if God would love me. Well, the good news is that if we hope in the Word, we wait diligently on God, you're going to find something, love and redemption. And it comes through this. Now, now we're, we're about to celebrate you know, the little J- Jesus being born under the tree, and, and you know a lot of us have that picture, and it just doesn't change for us, but, but what, what did Jesus do? We talked about it. He he already ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He's waiting to come back and make everything right. And if we could just view God like that, that he truly is who he said he is, that he came, he lived that sinless life for us, he died on the cross, he was raised from the dead. So if you'd believe in that, man, you could have eternal life. And I know for some of us, we're going like, that's hard to believe. But if God did all these other things, just like Matt said at the beginning, like in the beginning, what did God do? He created is anything else so difficult for a God who did all those things? Well, no, God, he couldn't save me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. God of the universe, he created everything. Like what Paul said, hey, we don't worship a God made by human hands. He doesn't have limitations, right? He can do anything that he wants, and he can save you wherever you're at. And so I'd like to encourage you today, maybe if you have not you halt in the Lord, maybe if you have not put your full hope and trust um, in God, that he really did send Jesus, not just so we can get presents in a week from today. Um, not so that we can just put up fun decorations, right? All oh, those are great. But so that we might have a relationship with the God of the universe. That we might be close to him. He's done that for us. He's given us hope. And he's given us a place to belong. So I want to give you that opportunity. Uh, maybe if you have not done that today, if you're listening online or you're here in person, uh, I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards. And it's as simple as this. If you'd admit you're a sinner, if you'd believe that Jesus Christ came as that little baby, he lived that life for us. Sinlessness. He didn't, never did anything wrong, right? And then he died on the cross for our sins, and he got up, and he's just waiting right now. Like, people back then, they had that hopeful expectation of Jesus being born and, and saving everybody. He's already done it. So all we have to do is go, go God, we, we trust that. We know that. We confess that with our mouths. The Scripture says that we'll be saved. And so maybe if you're here, in here today, you're listening online, and you're like, I've never had that kind of hope. I've never you in the Lord then today, maybe today, is that day for you, okay? And so before you leave, um, make sure you talk uh, with me. Um, really, probably a lot of other people in the room, you could start that conversation. Um, and then we'll enter shortly into a time of communion together. But what I wanted us to do is just pray together. Um, it's, a, it's a good season. It's a fun season. It's difficult for others. And so I want us to pray for each other. Um, and so let's do that. Let's pray for this, um, first of all, um, that God, you would help us put all of our hope in you, So let's pray together. God, would you help us put all of our hope in you? And the second thing, God, that we would uh, diligently wait for you. There's so many other things we are impatient about in life. Um, <clears throat> help us to trust you right now. Let's be diligent to wait. Let's pray about that. And last thing, that we might find love and redemption and you, you give it to us freely. Um, Let's pray for um, us. Let's pray that that would be a reassurance in our hearts and minds today. And then for anyone else in the room or listening um, or that will listen to this at a later time, Um, that you can find love and redemption. Let's pray for those as well. God, we thank you that you uh, loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that he would live a life that we couldn't, uh, there was no hope outside of what you have done. We're thankful that we don't have to do anything to get it, to um, deserve it. We can't do enough good things, God. We're thankful that uh, all of that rests on you, our hope for eternity. Uh, I pray that today <clears throat> we would truly live that out, that in the light of uh, the calendar being changed, in the light of knowing the things that have happened before Christ, seeing that, and knowing that there's gonna be this glorious eternity. Uh, God, that everything that happened after Jesus, um, it, it changed everything. So we just pray in that hope uh, that we would have it, uh, that we would hope in the word, wait diligently for you and what you're doing right now in our lives. Um, thank you, thankful that we have found love and redemption in you. Pray you would remind us. Some of us just need, or just need a reminder. Sometimes it's hard. We get down, we beat ourselves up. I pray that today we find a renewed hope in that love and redemption that you give us every single day. Uh, for those who, uh, who don't know you, Today, God, I pray that they'd find that His uh, said. pray that they'd find that uh, steadfast love that you give all those who trust in you. Thank you that you've given us access to redemption. Um, that just like the prodigal son, um, we didn't deserve any of the grace that you've given us, but you give it freely and um, without limit. We thank you for that. It's your name we pray, amen. All right, church, well, uh, we're gonna enter into a communion.